Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first ever episode of Fifth Wednesdays. I, as you know, Group Talk comes out once a week on Wednesdays, and we have a different host and, and show type each week. And typically, uh, we have four in a month because usually there are four Wednesdays in a month. But every once in a while, you get a special month a special month that has a fifth Wednesday. And so here I am to fill in that gap with the extra bonus content. And typically what we're going to try to do on those fifth Wednesdays is do a deeper dive into a subject that normally might not be covered or, or kind of a broader look at groups as a whole, um, in theory, a little bit more investigative uh, style, NPR style podcasting, different than the typical interviews that we usually have just for the sake of variety. And that was the intention for this very first one, but our recording software uh, dropped (laughs) the call of all but one of my guests. So it turns out this week is going to be just a regular interview. Sorry. Uh, The good news is one of the guests uh, that it did get is a good one. And uh, hopefully we'll be hearing from him more. Some of the other guests were, it is a little bit of a heartbreaker that we dropped them and hopefully we can get them back fairly soon because they had some great insight. But the topic for this fifth Wednesday, this um, episode is aligning your ministry, your small group ministry with other ministries in the church and specifically with communications ministries. I, this is a topic that's fairly near and dear to my heart because I have a background in communications and as, uh, both the role of communications grows and the role of small group, uh, pastors grows, especially in smaller churches. I kind of think there's going to be a bit of overlap in those roles. You're going to see, especially in small to mid-sized churches, a little bit of people who have the role of comms and small groups, both in their job description. So we wanted to provide uh, kind of an insight into how how those uh, can align and work together to do bigger and more interesting things, but also uh, explore some of the ways to navigate the differences and similarities between the two. Uh, Part of the impetus for this, part of the reason for uh, doing it is, uh, is the Align Conference that I attended recently in Nashville with Steve Gladen and Chris Surratt from Lifeway. And uh, in there, they talked about how to best align with your senior pastor or senior leadership. And there's some really cool and, and vital tools in that. If you aren't able to attend an aligned conference in person, you can uh, do the online version on the website. But I, I think that as we, as we look at our ministries holistically, uh, we need to align not just with senior leadership, but with the rest of the team. If we are, uh, now that I just moved to LA, if we're the Lakers, you need to align not just with the coach, but with the other players on your team. And this is something that um, all of us are aware that you have to be careful not to be siloed in your ministry, but it still happens. So we look at how that happens and why that happens and how we can flatten those silos, uh, in particular between those two groups, just because especially during the pandemic, those two groups saw such a vital and increased role. 
So today's guest is uh, Sean Gendel. Uh, Sean and I have gone back. My very first uh, paid church job <laughs> was with a church called uh, Calvary Church of Pacific Palisades, and and Sean was on staff at the time. And Sean and I got to know each other and and work together. And now Sean is the discipleship pastor at Pacific Crossroads Church uh, here in the Los Angeles area. And Pacific Crossroads is a Presbyterian church and they have, they definitely have a little bit of a distinct and unique perspective on uh, groups. They call them community groups and also uh, sermon based and uh, curriculum and that type of thing. They're very, they tend to be a fairly uh, intellectually oriented uh, church. This is the denomination that where we hear people like Tim Keller, Alistair Begg comes out of that tradition as well. Sean is also a great interview in this because previously he was overseeing both the discipleship and small groups ministries, as well as the communications team at the same time. So he has a good top level perspective of what uh, both of those roles require as well as how they can best work together. And uh, he even kind of goes into some of what, and I agree with him on this, what the ideal communications role would look like and how that would serve the small groups role in general. But uh, flipping that back around, how we can just be better team players. So let's get started in this interview with Sean Gindel. My name is Sean Gendel. I'm the pastor of discipleship at Pacific Crossroads Church in Los Angeles, so we're a large regional Presbyterian church. Um, we are a multi-site um, church with a real emphasis on church planting. So we've been we're a pretty young church. We've been in the Los Angeles area for about 15 years, and uh, during that time, we've been able to plant three separate churches, one in Long Beach, one in South Pasadena, one that's about to finalize its launch down in the Torrance, uh, South Bay area. And uh, and then we meet uh, our, our main church, as it were, has offices in the mid-city area of Los Angeles with worship spaces in Santa Monica and, uh, and uh, in downtown LA. So we're kind of all over the city of Los Angeles. And you're kind of like a catch-all guy. <laughs> so yeah. you, you, I know you also oversee communications too at your church. Is that correct? Or um, I did for a long time. Now, now okay. we've kind of deconstructed that role a little bit. So, and we can talk about that too. But um, yeah, but uh, not officially. But I, but I, but it's but a lot of um, I have a lot of you know uh, a lot of informal um, engagement with our communications team. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so one of the things that I've realized is that um, coming from the communications world and now being in like the discipleship world, I realized both of these teams feel like they're very siloed and like are struggling real hard to get buy-in from senior leadership and, and all this. And uh, like, y'all need to work together. <laughs> so, <laughs> like true. if the two of you get on the same page, like that's going to solve uh, a lot of problems for both people. And uh, because you have had experience in like overseeing that and even just finding out how you shifted out of that, whether that was because of the pandemic or, or what, but um, I think you are in a unique position because not only do you have to avoid um, siloed ministries within your church, but you're part of a, 
I don't want to call it monolithic, but like a denomination that's pretty active in daily church life. Yeah. So Southern Baptists, like they'll send everyone curriculum and suggest like whatever, but in your church, you do your own thing. Presbyterian, like you said, you've got the, the, um, the history, the liturgy, the, like all this stuff that you want to get people immersed in from cradle to the grave. So what are some ways that you can basically keep your ministries aligned, make sure avoid like those silos or those disconnects in communication. And how do you, how do you work with the other teams, the communication team to avoid like everyone being on different pages? Yeah. Yeah. Well, in my context, it's all, you know, and I guess a lot of times I hate to, I hate to wiggle out of your question by answering this way, but, but, uh, <laughs> no, that's good. Uh, but a lot of it at the end of the day is so it's such a relational enterprise that we're in. And so, um, and so because I have really good, strong relationships with our community group ministry and our communications team, I'm able to, um, to, enjoy, you know, I think there, we, I think we see a lot of fruit in, in, in the, in the strong relational connection and a good working um, philosophy between our discipleship, our community and our communications team. So one of the interesting, it's a bit of a quirk in the way we have things set up here right now. And that I'd like to, I'm actually working on, on changing is that our community group ministry is, is separate from our discipleship, you know, ministry as it were. And so, um, and so I, I, that's one of the areas that I'd like to bring into deeper alignment. So I actually go, our community team meets, meets every single week for a couple hours on Tuesday afternoon. I'm there at every meeting. I, I kind of uh, made myself part of the team so I can have those good relational connections and, and, and speak into that ministry and also, and, and also um, be spoken into by my friends on the community team. And so I've, I've tried to, just on a personal level, um, engage really deeply with our community team. And, uh, and so, um, basically the, and, and just to, without going into too much detail our for a long time, our church was organized in these three columns. So we had a large staff team at, at our kind of high watermark and we organized in a gather. We had three teams gather, grow and send. It's probably a lot of similarity with many different churches and so, and so the, that's basically how that happened is the community groups were seen as, as a gather ministry. So it was an open door uh, where anyone from any background could come into the church and, and, and find a relationship and, and find um, connection. And which is a really beautiful vision. I think what happened was the grow um, when, when the ministries were, were kind of organized in that way, the grow team was in a separate column, which is discipleship and formation and so, um, and so I think over time there developed a little bit of, uh, an unnecessary space between those two ministries. It's hard to do discipleship separate from the community group ministry. And, uh, and it's hard to do community in, in a church environment separate from discipleship. And so we've been working over these last couple of years to try to bring those two areas of emphasis together. And, uh, and so, and a lot of it is, there's always a bit of a, you know, there's always challenges in, in, in church ministry with, with um, if you divert people from a good, strong community group into a different type of experience, you know, how do you get them to come back into community or, or, um, 
and so we kind of work through all those things but but the our the main the the main capital that we're using right now to to develop progress in this area is just relationships so we have good people in all of those environments that work well together and that 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 are seeking the best for one another um and then we i can come back as necessary james and talk about the communication thing as well which is actually you know in some ways <laughs> kind of similar so um yeah what do you think it's going to look like five years from now. I mean, obviously we couldn't have predicted a pandemic or, or any of the changes that have happened over the last year, but now that we've kind of been knocked onto this new trajectory, what do you think is going to, uh, what do you think we're going to keep from the pandemic? What do you think we're going to like, okay, that was during the pandemic, but we're done with that now. Um, and, uh, like, like I said, and I've heard many people say the pandemic fundamentally accelerated things. Yeah. Uh, what do you think it really sped up for you guys? What problems do you think it revealed, uh, both in your communication strategy and your discipleship strategy? And, um, yeah, sorry, that was a yeah. lot of questions and what? <laughs> no, that's okay. Yeah. I'll start with the communications piece. We, yeah, I, without oversimplifying it, I think one conviction that I've developed over the last few years in a church environment like ours, which is it has a large sort of multi-layered um, staff structure, and and um, and it's a not necessarily it's a non-traditional uh, kind of a newer model of of, of church leadership. Um, so, w- again, without oversimplifying, I'd say we we're a little bit. Um, we're kind of always in that tension of is, is communications like, um, you know, is it a sort of a junior level staff function where you have someone who is essentially like an order taker, um, where you send them what you need, you know, for, for uh, either marketing your events or, or laying out some uh, strategic planning on a calendar, on the calendar. And then, and then, um, you know, send in your orders and, and get, get the, uh, you know, the graphics that you need or the, the mentions that you need on social media or whatever, or, um, so that's option one. Option two is, is, is you get this sort of fully invested, you know, professional, um, uh, uh, you know, communications director that, that exists at the highest level of the organization. And then they get, they're more involved with, um, with the whole sort of scaffolding of the, of the church in terms of strategy and calendaring and, uh, and determining, you know, what events rise to the top of, you know, mentions in the worship service and how things get woven into to sermons and, and, and seasons of the church and all that kind of stuff. So, um, I mean, if it was up to me and if money was no object and uh, uh, the, the second option always sounds a little bit, a little bit better because a really good, you know, highly skilled communications professional, I think could, could, you know, it could really add a lot to, um, to a, uh, a church staff team and would, I think in a lot of ways, solve a lot of problems in, in, in deconstructing some of the silos and, 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 you know, confusion points across the organization. Um, and, uh, so, so a good, a good high skilled, um, emotionally intelligent, uh, <laughs> you know, mission minded, uh, communications professional, I think is probably the dream for a lot of church staff teams and, and, uh, um, and, uh, and so, well, I've been really blessed here, here and, and just so grateful for the folks that we've had on our communications team. And we, we have 
the person that we have in that role right now is just is um is one of my closest um you know uh and this part of this is just you know it's it's just i end up working a lot with that person i think your comment earlier james about about the discipleship and communication roles having some similarities is actually very true we we kind of we have a role that that is um if you're not careful it can become sort of this lone ranger kind of like a roving uh you know moving about the organization and touching in with different teams and 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 you know and uh in some good ways you know that could be a really good thing where you're breathing um breathing life and oxygen into areas that that you want to really invest in um and uh but that can be a challenge too there's a lot of sensitivity there around around um kind of losing your main uh you know the main liability of that model of course is, is is losing your um your main functionality either in communications or discipleship in 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 sort of being spread too thin across many layers of, of the church. So, um, but um, to go back to your question about, we were hit, we, our church, um, James was, we actually lost our, we had a long time, 13 year beloved senior pastor that, that left um, right before the pandemic without obviously not knowing that the pandemic was about to close in. And, and, and uh, so we had a massive leadership change. Wow, then, man, that's a, um, that's a rough, <laughs> a rough 2020, huh? <laughs> yeah. Massive leadership change. And then a, and then the pandemic hard on the heels of that leadership change. And so we our big, big challenge during the pandemic was, was, uh, and I've talked with a lot of pastors who have felt the same was, was basically not even knowing who was in, who was out. Um, when you send, I send out a weekly email that goes to about 1200 people. And sometimes when I'm hitting send on the weekly email <laughs> in my mind, I think, I don't even know who this is going to, or who's going to read it. Uh, I mean, we have some analytics and, and, uh, that allows us to track open rates and stuff like that. But, uh, but the point is, there were moments during the pandemic when I thought, I don't know if these people even live here anymore, if they, um, if they've joined up with different churches. And, and so it was a very unsettling feeling. Um, the thing that held us together during that time, and I'm so grateful to, to, to say that we're emerging from the end of that season. Um, and it's true. The thing that held together during that time was our community group ministry. So we, we kept in very close contact with our community group leaders, um, provided a lot of care, came around them as best we could. Um, and so our main source of like connection to the congregation was our community group structure. There was a lot of thought and, and wisdom that was put into that structure in the early days of its development. And all of that thought and wisdom, I think, paid great dividends uh, during the pandemic. So, so, um, so we existed when we had no children's ministry, we had no youth ministry uh, apart from occasional online events. Um, we had no, not even live worship services, but, but, but all of our community groups moved, uh, to zoom. And, and I think the reason we're still here, uh, I, I hate to overstate it. Um, but probably the reason we're still here in the format that we're in, um, and, and, and able to kind of start rebuilding is because of our community leaders, um, who, who maintained our connection with people during that time. So, um, so I'll stop there uh, just to, to, uh, in case I'm, in case I'm uh, missing any other questions that you might have, but, uh, but that's a little well, bit of our story. I asked too many questions and now I've got a lot to unpack, but uh, so 
just nuts and bolts. Like you're, you said your uh, community groups were primarily sermon based study groups. Yep. What sermons were you doing during that time? If you lost your senior pastor and, and all that, like what was the, uh, I mean, what was the curriculum? What were they studying? And yeah, well, we maintained, we kept our, um, sermon discussion guides. We okay. were, our church was very heavenly, heavily, excuse me, uh, heavily sermon, uh, based even when, um, so we're part of a denomination that 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 where the Sunday sermon is kind of like the um, is meant in, in really beautiful ways to be the main one of the main um, uh, means of, of, of grace. And so um, so for a long time, we had, you know, long, you know, 45, 47 minute sermons that were that were um, really, really um, rich and deep and well thought through. And so that that gave our community groups a lot of uh, a lot of substance for discussion during the week. One of the great challenges that we found when the pandemic set in and we moved to online services was you can't do uh, a 45 minute sermon, um, you know, in an online format because it, it really stretches. Um, it, it, you know, it's too long for people to spend on a screen, especially when if parents have young kids in the room and stuff like that. And so we shortened our services, tried to offer a little bit shorter teachings on Sundays. And then we added the, that um you know, that depth to our sermon discussion guides. We tried to send out more resources to our community group leaders. Um, um, and, and, uh, and so that's the way we approach it. So we kept, we kept the basic format, sending out the weekly discussion guides and then, um, and, and, but a lot of our, what well, we kept hearing reports back though, which was, it was, it was great that a lot of our community group leaders would just, you know, in their Zoom times would just spend time connecting and praying for one another and, and, and interacting more socially um, because we have a, and actually we have a large number of, um, uh, our church is about 45 to 55%, um, you know, young, single, urban professionals that, that um, and so the, the value for them in meeting with their community groups online was not as much you know, digging through the content of the sermon, but it was just seeing other people and interacting and, and, and maintaining those good relationships. And so we kind of, uh, I think the the experience of life for our weekly community groups changed a little bit during the pandemic and it became much more valuable to, to share community. And so we tried to equip our leaders in that way where we'd send out some good, you know, icebreaker questions and, and, uh, and, and just make them more uh, connection-based um, and, and not as much, content based, uh, because that was the real need for our people at that time. Yeah. And I, I think that that is really true. I think, um, I tend to think of sermon based study groups as similar to like how Christ interacted with the disciples. He'd give a sermon to 5,000 people, feed 5,000 people. And then 4,888 or 988 would go home and then he'd sit there and have like a sermon based discussion group with the 12. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I think that that is number one, how you really engage with it because the rest of the people fundamentally were just there for consumption more than engagement. Uh, they're there to get fed literally (laughs) for the free meal. Um, and, so I do, I think there's a lot to be said about that and a lot to be said about, um, the time that can be invested in those, the emotional and relational time invested in those community groups. I, 
I mean, like everyone heard Christ sermon, but 12 guys got three years worth of, of Christ, like one-on-one time. And that, that made the difference. Um, yeah. But one of the things you said a while back uh, that I loved, you talked about how a rock star communications team, like high level, can be the scaffolding for the rest of the mm-hmm. ministries. I've described it as kind of like the ministry that, or the medium that your church paints its artwork on. When you've kind of been in situations where you can experience that as scaffolding, what have been some of the roadblocks from other ministries or discipleship and you and leaning on that scaffolding and allowing them to kind of become that that type of ministry? Yes, I think if that I mean <laughs> That's a tougher question. Sorry. (laughs) No, it's a really good question. It's no, I I know exactly. I, I, I feel, I know exactly the, the, um, you know, the, the the heart behind the question is, is again, if you could, if every church could have a, you know, kind of an executive level um, communications professional that, that, that had good, alignment with this, with the elders and the senior pastor, depending on the, the model of, of church leadership that, the, that is part of the um, system and had good, you know, buy-in from, from whatever, in our case, it's a senior leadership team. Uh, I think it could be a really healthy model. I think the, 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 uh, the liability that a lot of churches face, and we, uh, I would confess that we faced it here uh, is that, is that it can feel a lot like, um, you know, if, if you don't have good, strong relational and philosophical uh, buy-in and probably obviously theological buy-in between, you know, the, the executive leadership, the elders and, and the communications person, then, then there's, there's, you know, there's going to be some challenges there. And uh, so, because it feels a lot like you're turning over, you know, a high level of leadership to a, a person or a team um, that, that in some ways can feel a little bit unfamiliar to, to people who come from more kind of ministry backgrounds. And, and, um, and in our case, there's a lot of, we're moving more uh, to, to your comment earlier, James, which I thought was really um, uh, wise. And I agree. Um, you know, we're starting to, we're, we're moving more as a church community into, into more um, structured observances of the church calendar and, and the, um, you know, and the, uh, and even, even, um, you know, the seasons of church life and, and liturgy and things like that, and trying to, to build more scaffolding into our, into our life as a church. And if you have a, a communications person who, who is really aligned with that, um, just kind of knowing the, um, the rhythms of church life and the church calendar, both, both official and more kind of, uh, you know, unofficial, uh, informal, uh, you know, if you have a good communications person that, that, that has a great feel for those things and, and has a good embrace and understanding of, of, of the philosophical and theological, you know, forms of the church, then, then I think you're in a good place. Um, otherwise, if those things aren't there, then, then, then sure. I mean, there's all kinds of conflict that can arise and, and I've, I've, I've seen it happen in different environments as well, where, where, um, where, where it, it, you know, it's hard for a communications person to feel like they have enough enough latitude to be creative and to speak into how calendars are formed and how initiatives are, are embraced and how, how, um, you know, and, 
and, and they simply then just kind of become a, a person that takes, you know, that, that takes um, uh, orders from the, the, the team and, and creates, um, the, I don't know, I don't know if any of that makes sense, but, um, uh, but, but there just has to be a lot of, of, of good working, you know, buy-in and, and, um, and trust across the teams in order for that model to work well, I think, but yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think you really are getting close to one of the biggest issues with communications in churches and, um, it really is not a clearly defined role in churches at this time. It's, I think it's, um, becoming more clearly defined, but I also, I, someone else I interviewed called it becoming more professionalized. Uh, and yeah. I think that's true. Uh, but I also think you're starting to see a couple different roles emerge from that one, <laughs> that one role. Um, there's a, there's the, one of the biggest ones here at Saddleback is the online groups pastor, which is basically discipleship and, and ministry, just straight up ministry in a digital capacity. And from a communications background that has very little to do with actual communication, <laughs> but yeah. from like a senior pastor background, a lot, uh, many churches, it's all the same thing. Uh, the other um, the flip side of that to discipleship is evangelism. Uh, and there I've seen some churches and this is much less common, but it's probably the one that I have the most affinity for is um, outreach to the community in a digital capacity yeah. for the purpose of evangelization or drawing people into the church. Uh, but the most common one is the one that you've talked about and where I basically churches, churches treat, um, their comms director or whatever, like a print shop. And yeah, yeah. I think this is, you've talked about how kind of giving them the level of leadership or authority or power in the church org structure uh, can be hard because pastors like m many other professionals, when they meet someone new or network, they tend to think, okay, what can this person do for me? <laughs> and, um, being able to hire some guy who's good at Facebook and go up to him and say, Hey, what can I do for you is, is going to be weird for a lot of people in traditional ministry backgrounds. Um, yeah. And I think that that, I mean, I mean that like everything else, it comes down to humility and, <laughs> and, yeah. um, and all of that. And that honestly, I, I really think that that is the root of most, um, alignment issues within the church. I, I think there are, are definitely, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think there's, um, a lot of challenges in developing the processes. I, yeah, because yeah. I do think it's a good idea for ministry leaders to be advocates for their ministry. Like that's, that's your job is to be an advocate for your ministry. But at yeah. some point you have to find the person who is the guy who, or woman who does the prioritization, like, okay, thank you for your input, but we're going to do this thing first <laughs> or this exactly. guy gets the money or, or whatever. And, um, I think, uh, like you said, the, the communications person has the potential to be that keeper of the calendar. The, the one yeah. who says, uh, well, what if you moved your event back two weeks yeah. or something like that? Um, 
and then having the humility to say, okay, thanks for letting me know when it's going to work best. I am especially excited to see how the role of communications develops in higher churches. The honestly, I think like Anglican churches are having a little bit of a moment right now. (laughs) Presbyterian churches have been doing well. And uh, if you would have told me that 10 years ago, I would have thought, well, that's weird. Uh, (laughs) But I I see it now. I see the need for uh, the sacred space and the tradition. And um, I grew up in a church that was like, it's all about relationship and not religion. But the traditions are what help build relationships a lot. And it's not that God needs traditions or, or religion or anything like that, but a lot of times I do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, I thought, um, no, you've hit a lot of important points here. And I think I just want, I would just emphasize from my perspective, the, the, if you're going to, that that's it. That's the challenge, right? Is bringing in a in a from a communications perspective is bringing in someone that that. But there's got to be a lot of trust, and you you almost have to say, kind of hold your breath and say, okay, we're bringing in a person that knows what they're doing and that can help us th- th- bring order and and the sort of dignity of of uh, a dignified way of living and of presenting our voice to our congregation and out from our congregation into our neighborhood. Um, but if you're gonna in order to really have that person, I think, be most effective, you have to also be able to say, uh, they may tell me uh, that, that, you know, that the class that I really want to teach <laughs> doesn't yeah. fit in this fall season or, or, or uh, um, so, so I think that's a big part of it is, is basically, you know, having a careful eye on those power dynamics and, and, and giving the proper amount of, uh, you know, authority and buy-in. Um, and then, uh, and then I'll just comment briefly, James, on your last, uh, last, bit of uh bit of um wisdom there as well which is i remember i came out of a similar background that you did and 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 i went to a couple of funerals uh not i wasn't officiating them but i but i went to a couple of funerals where uh where there was um it was more of a high church kind of format and i remember just being really appreciative for the family in that moment of of grief to have these kind of like long historically rooted formal structures in place that kind of helped the family at that time who was in this moment of grief, uh, be, be just kind of ushered through this, in this way of living that, that was, there was no, um, kind of editorial, uh, decision-making or anything. It was just, it was like, this is how we're going to do it. And we're going to do it, uh, for, for, for you. And I think I noticed that a lot during the pandemic that I think are any, any historical rootedness, um, any commitment to, to these old, you know, um, forms that, 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 that had some substance and, and philosophy behind them, uh, I think helped a, a lot of people in those times. And, and I, I do wonder actually as well that, that, that if, if, um, if, if that's one of the appetites that, that, that people in our culture in this moment have right now, which is, is some sense of like connection to something that's transcendent, that's, that is historic. And, and, um, so we're kind of, we didn't set out, I think, in in our Presbyterian form to to really begin emphasizing that at this moment in the life of our church um, intentionally, but 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 we are just kind of doing it as an expression uh, collectively of our church community to to um, to looking more carefully at at at, um, at our confessions and looking more carefully at our uh, calendar um, 
and uh, and all those kinds of things. So um, anyway, so that's where we're at right now too, uh, James. So getting buy-in from the comms director, getting a comms director that you can align with and leading back into the formalization of our relationship with God and how we relate to God. Um, one of the things that actually attracted me to this current role was I got licensed as a pastor and yeah. pretty much like 10 churches in the country can pay a comms guy what they're going to get paid in the business world. <laughs> yeah, um, the vast majority of churches are not even going to be close. Um, so the best way I think to attract people is through missional purposes. And yeah. I think uh, ordaining your comms person is a great way to number one, kind of give them the authority in the eyes of the people that they work with, but also to appeal to that missional mindset that they, that, that would say, Hey, I know I'm giving up money, but it's for a reason. I'm investing in kingdom life here. So yeah. I think, uh, yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it. No, it's either that James. So I agree Like this, this, um, and that speaks a lot to, to, I think my, um, that resonates a lot with my comment earlier and my belief earlier that, that if you can find that sort of magic, uh, <laughs> yeah, feels almost impossible. But if you can get the person that that has that missional alignment, uh, the willingness to to um, to live missionally with, you know, but also has the skill and professional credentials to to do it, I think that'd be the ideal. The other option, of course, is is um, you know, is another way that I think a lot of churches are heading, which is is. Um, viewing church leadership as something that, and this goes all the way back to the first couple centuries of the church where, where, and maybe this is one area that I see some churches going, uh, not, not, not visibly now, but, but may possibly go in the future, which is um, moving more towards kind of a bivocational model where, where, uh, where your pastors, where your comms directors, um, where your executive leadership folks um, are, are, you know, doing 30 to 35 hours and, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, in, in church ministry and then doing, you know, another 15 to 20 hours in, in another area. So that's another model that may, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not calling it now and saying that that's the direction we're headed, but, um, uh, but I, I think that might be part of the way church staff teams are, are built in the future. And, and part of that is, is as a result of the pandemic, you know, where some of yeah. us are working from home and doing little side hustles or whatever. So, yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Sean, cool. I really appreciate your time and I'll definitely be reaching out again at some point and we'll have to get in touch in real life. Um, Sounds great, James. Yeah, no, it's great uh, to see you again. Thanks so much for inviting me in here and always let me know. I'd love, let's talk again soon. All right. We'll do. Okay. Thanks, James. And one thing we didn't get a chance to cover in this particular interview very in-depth is Pacific Crossroads and Sean in particular works with a nonprofit ministry that they run called Center for Faith and Work Los Angeles. And that is a gospel-centered nonprofit dedicated to transforming our relationship to work, fostering human flourishing, and renewing the Los Angeles area. And so if you're in the LA area, especially if you're kind of a young professional or, or really anyone uh, in a professional capacity who wants to have kind of a holistic discipleship experience, I recommend checking out their fellowship uh, and uh, the cohort that they offer as well. Uh, they, you can be 
you can find them at faithandworkla.com, faithandworkla.com. For everybody else who doesn't live in Los Angeles, though, we offer a cohort program as well as online learning courses. They can be found at smallgroupnetwork.com. I highly recommend them. They are, uh, number one, they've been pretty helpful in my own understanding and, and perspective when it comes to small groups. And they really are a great way to uh, learn together. If you're going through a cohort cohort program, uh, you can work together as a team to kind of, uh, navigate that and, and, um, engage more deeply with the content. If you have any questions about that, feel free to reach out to me directly at james at smallgroupnetwork.com or in the Facebook group or on our website, smallgroupnetwork.com. I, Thanks again to Sean for joining me, and I'm looking forward to going deeper with you again on the next Fifth Wednesday. Thank you for listening to Group Talk. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast through iTunes and get new episodes downloaded automatically. Also, if you enjoy this program, please take a few minutes to give us a positive rating on iTunes so that other small group point people can find us more easily. We encourage you to visit our website, smallgroupnetwork.com, to access our library of free resources, connect to a huddle with other small group ministry leaders in your area, read our blog articles, or join us on our Facebook group. Don't forget to use the hashtag SGNet when engaging with your social media channels. Thank you for your support.